If you would, take your uh, worship guide. If you would turn to the back, I want to encourage us to pray for some brothers and sisters on the other side of the world for a moment. So while you're finding that, I just want you to know that many of you knew Cal or Calvin Woodworth. Uh, This week, uh, he finished his battle of illness here on earth and entered heaven. And uh, if you didn't know him, you might remember if an older guy came and shook your hand and like his fingers come up your forearm because his hands were so huge. And uh, if you ever said anything about his hands, he'd go, well, that helped me when I played college football. And so if you get the uh, newspaper, you ought to look in the sports edition this morning. And uh, not now. Don't be looking it up. Don't be looking it up. And, uh, but he, he was an incredible sportsman guy, just an awesome guy, beautiful guy. He went home to be with the Lord tomorrow. In Minko, Oklahoma, First Baptist Church at 10 o'clock will be his funeral, if you would like uh, to be a part of that. And so, what a great guy. At the very top of your worship guide on the back, it says, pray for. And so, for just a moment, I want you to kind of think that you're not in this uh, big metal building, but you're somewhere else with brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side of the world. Today, less than, you can see the percentage there, of people in Turkey are believers. It is one of the most darkest, when it comes to the gospel, places in the world. Few of the 73 million Muslims have ever truly heard the gospel, making Turkey, percentage-wise, one of the most unreached countries in the world. Pray that the Lord would move in a mighty way among the people of Turkey. Pray for the believers and the missionaries would be strengthened and would remain faithful in the midst of persecution, in the midst of all that they go through. And just think about today, some of our brothers and sisters, probably just a few of them are gathered in maybe homes, places where no one knows they're they're meeting because it's illegal to worship Jesus. And they're meeting and they're worshiping like you and I. And all their heart is there, you know, and their love for God is huge. And would pray that God would strengthen them as they try to share the gospel with their lost family and friends. And so for a moment, just think about that and let's pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Father, I know it's difficult even for me. I'm here in a beautiful building, had some incredible worship music and led and i'm here with my brothers and sisters and it's nice and air-conditioned and we have some great uh padded pews and it's comfortable here and i pray that you help us for a moment to kind of get outside of the box and know that we have brothers and sisters around the world who when they worship it's way different in the environment and the situation And yet their devotion to you probably is more than we could ever imagine. And yet they live in difficulty and persecution. Some in prison, some have lost their jobs, everything they've had. Some have lost their lives. Today, people will lose their lives for the cause of Christ around the world. We want to pray for our brothers and sisters in Turkey. May you do a good work there. And Lord, we talk a lot about pastors and missionaries, but Lord, there's more 
believers than they are pastors and missionaries. And it's the responsibility of uh, every believer in Christ to share and so strengthen brothers and sisters. Whatever their age, situation today, may they be able to share their faith. May you speak and draw people to yourself in other places of the world. Because one day, people from every tribe, tongue, people group in the world will be before you. And we will, for the first time, get to meet our family that we have no idea how massive it is and what they've gone through. So I pray you bless them today. I ask this in your name. Amen. So if you drive a car, every 3,000 miles you should do what? Change the oil. Way to go. I heard more ladies than guys. I don't know about that. That's kind of like... Or like you're telling your husband, hey, go change that oil. Yeah, so that's a good thing. Don't be like my friend Steve. Um, uh, he's not here, okay? So if I just said Steve and you're going like, hey. Uh, so it's not you, but Steve had a little old car. And when he drove up, it sounded like a sewing machine. And I said, hey, man, when's the last time you changed the oil? And he said, change the oil? So anyway, don't be like that guy, all right? Never change the oil. Never change the oil. So you need to change the oil every about 3,000 miles. About every month, you ought to check the tires for their air. You ought, you ought to do that. It's kind of a regular checkup thing. You ought to do those things. Uh, this is right before lunch, I know, but uh, bear with me. If you have a septic tank, <laughs> you ought to monthly add some kind of additive to it to kind of keep your septic tank healthy. All right, don't dwell on that very long, but anyway, just you need to do that. Every year you should have a physical, right? Every year you should have a physical. That's what I understand, and my wife's been telling me that for years, but anyway. But scheduled checkups, scheduled routines, um, feedback, all that is very good, right? Because what happens is we can get into a rut. In fact, in any area of life, you can get into a rut and just normal things that you ought to, you know, make sure you're doing can just kind of go by the wayside, and all of a sudden something's broke down, you're broke down, uh, whatever. And so there should be several of those, right? Well, here's what I want to talk to you about today and next week, and that is at the very beginning of this year in January, I um, introduced to you on your worship guide what's called my personal discipleship-making plan. Well, today is the first Sunday, right, of July, and uh, this is halfway through. We are six months into the year. That's amazing. For some of you, it's like it's been the longest six months ever. For some of it's like, where'd that time go? Like, man, it just like it's here, and so much has happened. And so we're six months in, and so what I would like to do for just a little bit for all of our benefit, I believe, and I hope, that we would just talk about your personal discipleship plan like what are you doing how are you growing how is it progressing with you because here's the deal without timely honest feedback your growth in any area kind of hits a ceiling and so what you need is you need other people to talk with you need accountability you need people like that you're believers with you're talking about your faith and you need to kind of talk about well, how's it going like are you stuck in a rut? Are you growing? Do you see evidence? 
and so forth. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. Just a couple of statements before we get going. I hope you can see this. Um, I never drift to higher ground, okay? So you and I will never just drift to higher ground. You know, if you're in a canoe or you're in a river, you usually drift downhill, downstream. And so you never just drift to higher ground. And so you and myself, you and I must be intentional about everything in life. Isn't that true? Because if you're not intentional and if you just drift, one day you wake up and you realize you've really drifted way off course. And so in your Christian walk, you cannot just drift. You must be intentional. Here's another one I think is quite challenging, but the truth of it is this is so true that, hear me, if it doesn't challenge you, it will not change you. If it doesn't challenge you, so if you go to the gym and you get on the treadmill and you put it for, for that five-minute walk, you know, kind of like you're walking your guinea pig or something like real slow, and you do that for five years, you're not going to be any better. I'm just, I, I'm sorry I just broke some of y'all's heart. Like, what? So if it doesn't challenge you, it's not going to change you. That's physically, spiritually, mentally, if it doesn't challenge you, you're not going to be changed. Now, here's the deal. Some of y'all in here are going like, hey, I've changed enough. There's no more changing. Nuh-uh. Not until, like Cal, you end your life here and get to heaven or the rapture happens. Every one of us as followers of Christ are continually to be changing, what? For the better and for the good and in Christ-likeness. And so... I think uh, some of these things will be challenging, but I hope you hear this, that unless it challenges you, it won't change you. And so in all these areas we'll talk about, I, I hope that this will be a great help. And so we talk about what it means to be a disciple and what it means to be a follower of Christ. And if you look in your worship guide, the very first paragraph says, as a follower of Christ, he transforms our minds, our desires, our wills, our relationships, and our ultimate reason for living. Every disciple of Jesus exists to make disciples of Jesus. Here and among every people group on the planet, there are no spectators. We are all born to reproduce the life of Christ in others. In fact, that's just the Great Commission. That's what Matthew 28 is talking about, that, hey, Jesus came, he gave us the power and the Spirit of God, he has all authority, and he says now we're to take that to all the world, we're to help people know Christ, teach them, and we're to keep multiplying, keep on going. And so I guess my question is, is how is that with you? How, how's that going with you? Do you, have a, do you have a plan, all right? So here's the plan, that maybe this will be a good help to you, or maybe you'll take some of this and you'll use some of it and you'll add some of your own. But what kind of a plan do you have as a disciple of Christ that you're personally growing and that ultimately you will help somebody else grow as well? Again, in your worship guide, the life of a disciple is the life of a learner. A disciple means a student, someone who is a follower. And so if you are a follower of Christ, that's what you and I are. We're students. We're continually to be learning. We consistently attune our hearts to the word of our master. Consider a plan of reading, memorizing, and being transformed by God's word. 
And so here's like my first question is, how will I fill my mind with truth? And so how it is in your worship guide, you're to kind of ask that question of yourself, how will I fill my mind with truth? And so just to yourself, I want you to just uh, finish that verse, Colossians 3.16, just like say it to yourself, okay? And so I'll give you a moment, and then we'll all say it together. So let the blank, blank, blank dwell in you. And so if you know this verse, it says what? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So in the yellow, I put this, let is not a suggestion. Like sometimes if you say, you know, hey, let your brother play with that or whatever, it might be a suggestion, right? But there's no suggestions in the Bible. In fact, let is a present tense imperative, which means an imperative is a command Present tense means that it is a continual thing, that you and I are continually allowing God's Word to take up residence in us. You and I, not just the preacher, not just the Sunday school teacher, not just the person who works in VBS, but why all of us as followers of Christ are to richly be letting the Word of Christ take up residence in us. And so the deal is, is how is that going to happen? All right, how are you going to do that? So how will you fill your mind with the words of Christ? All right, so I have just a few suggestions. If you do these, awesome. Maybe if you never thought of these, you might jot them down and go like, hey, maybe I ought to try that, all right? And honestly, if you see this as challenging, do it. Because unless it challenges you, it's not going to change you, all right? And so here's the first one. How will I read God's Word? And, you know, that should be a given, right? Just this week, the largest church in America that is followers of Christ took a survey of their own membership. And their membership is in the thousands. And they took a survey. 50%. Now, don't hear this wrong. This is not badgering. This is just like kind of seeing how things are. 50% read their Bible every day or at least two to three times a week. 50%. That means 50% of their membership that call themselves followers of Christ never crack their Bible open during the week. And so how would you and I have the Word of Christ richly take residence in us unless we're in it, unless we have a plan, if we have like something that we're following, that we're putting it in there. Now, don't get legalistic, all right? What I'm about to say, don't go like, oh. So here's just a maybe a fun thing to do. Um, if you don't read your Bible, just don't eat that day. I mean, the Bible's spiritual food, right? And so... And hear me, some of y'all is going to go out of here going like, uh, uh, anyway. Just don't eat that day. If you're not going to like open the Bible that day and read it, just don't eat. And see how long that lasts. You know, we used to have this dog, and uh, I'd give it this certain food and wouldn't eat. I'm like, huh. So I asked the vet. You know what the vet said? He will eventually. He'll eventually eat, Right? Some of y'all are getting weird on me. Okay, because the deal is, you know what I'm talking about, right? Hey, just don't eat. But, you know, like when you start getting hungry, like read the Bible and have, have a snack. The deal is just like, how could you 
How could I, as a follower of Christ, go days without cracking the Word of God and having the Word of Christ dwell in us richly? And so, my suggestion is, is set a time and have a plan. And here's why I say that, because you know this, if it doesn't get on the calendar, if you don't set a time, everything else will get in the way. And then all of a sudden it's bedtime, and if you're like me, if I read the Bible in bed, I'll wake up with it over my face suffocating, because I, I can't do that. I mean, like, I, at the end of the day, I'm done. And here's the thing, all of us in here are different. Some of you, you can do that. Like, that's your fresh time. That's when you're, like, most alert. I don't understand you, but that's when you're most alert, like, at bedtime. And like, so I'll just tell you about some of our staff members. No names, all right? You can just guess who they are. But we have one staff guy that he waits until his family goes to bed, and then he breaks out the Bible. He memorizes his memory verses, and he's going through those things. And it's like, how do you do that? How could you? I, I, I can't do that. Then we have one of our guys on staff that when he gets home from work, that's when he has his quiet time. That's when he sits down at his desk and cracks open his Bible, and that's when he gets the most. And when I'm done, I'm, I'm pretty well done, you know, with work. Uh, so some of you might be early morning people. That's me. You might be midday people. You might be another time. So don't let someone like go, hey, this is what you need to do. But find a time and have a plan that you will read through the scriptures. Maybe something else is you need to take it and just make sure you apply it. Like always, when you open the word, go, hey, listen, God, speak to my heart, and whatever you say, help me to put it into practice. Many of you know the hand illustration, right? If you don't, you can just kind of take your hand. The weakest maybe part of your hand is your little finger, and that is what? For listening to the Word of God. And then to read the Word of God. And then to study the Word of God. And then to what? Do you know what it is? To memorize the Word of God. And then to meditate on the Word of God. But the palm is that you would apply the Word of God. And so you're reading through the Scriptures and God speaks to your heart and you plan, man, this is how I'm going to apply this today. But not only that, that you would share it with someone. Before the day's up, share it with somebody. Because here's the deal. Do you think that maybe while you open the Bible and you're reading it and God's speaking to you, do you think that just possibly somebody in this world might come across your path or you come across someone else's path and they need exactly what God spoke to you today? In fact, I want to give you a whole different maybe idea maybe you've never heard about. Did you know that this morning you're sitting here, hopefully you're listening with all your heart, and you're taking notes not for yourself? Only. But that God is speaking to you. He is putting things in your heart and your mind. Because what he wants is when you leave this place and you spend most of your time this week, not in this building, but out in the world somewhere, that God has spoken something to you that you would speak to somebody else. In the Great Commission, it says that you would go 
not only baptize them, but teaching them to observe all things. Could it be that you today, maybe you would start listening in a different way, that God's not only speaking to your heart for your own heart and your own mind and your own transformation in Christ, but that there is somebody in this world who needs what has been said, because they're not here, but you'll be out there, and that God wants to take you. In fact, the book of Ephesians 4 says that our time here is not only to be with each other and to encourage one another, but what? To be equipped for the work of the ministry which is outside the walls of this place. And so God has someone for you somewhere in this world, somewhere in your neighborhood, somewhere that while you richly allow the word of Christ to dwell in you, that one day you'll be able to richly be able to share it with them. And so maybe be listening in a different kind of a way. But here's another word. How will you memorize God's word? You know, we have Awanas. It's during the school season, and it's for little kids. And we all would say, listen, little kids need to memorize the Word of God. But Psalm 119.11 says what? Your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. The deal is, it's for all of us. And as you read the Word of God, as you study it and you listen to it, what happens is, man, it becomes rich in you, and you can recall those things. So maybe here's a few things that might be a help. Choose a verse a month, just like as you're reading through the Bible. You go, man, that verse really speaks to me. And put it to memory. Or maybe as you start growing in that, that you begin to memorize more of those verses, and you put them in your heart and your head. Because mind you, it's not only for you, it's for somebody else. As you're taking the Word of God in, it is not only for you, it is for somebody else. But then have someone to review them with, like your spouse. Have uh, someone you meet with every now and then over coffee. And just memorize those things together and talk about what they mean and see how rich God uses those things. And just see how God brings people and situations to your life that those things that you have in your heart, they start coming out at just the right time. And you'd go like, wow, why... Why did I memorize that? And then all of a sudden you realize, here's why I did that. But not only review them consistently, but fortifying yourself against darkness. Deal is, you are, have been, you are in, or you will be in darkness. As a follower of Christ, we, most of us in this room, have been through suffering and difficult times. Some of you in this morning, you are here, and maybe no one knows it, but the truth is you are in difficult times right now. You're having difficult issues. And according to the Bible, we're going to have difficult times in life. And so taking and memorizing and putting it in your heart, what's that do? It fortifies you for when the dark days come. And when the dark days come, what have you done? You have supplied and you stored up God's word in your heart so that you grab a hold of those things. You remember those promises. You cling on to those truths. And whenever it seems like you don't feel like God's there, you know the promises of God that he's right there with you. And you cling on to those things. Because why? They're deep 
deep, deep in your hearts. But not only that, how will I be transformed by God's word with other people? Personal Bible study is a must. But taking the Bible with other believers and other people is a must. You might not realize this, but God put you here not just so that other people could pour into your life, but that you would be able to pour into other people's lives and that we would be pouring into each other's life and helping each other grow. And so being a part of a group, maybe it's just one other person, or maybe you're that kind of person that, hey, just no crowds, it's not a big... So one person, or maybe two people you get together, or maybe an ABF class together, or a group that meets at the coffee shop, or a home group that you're a part of, that you are being transformed by God's Word together so that you're growing together you're able to share with one another what god is doing in your life and how you see god working this thing out and and working that thing out and you're sharing with one another because once again how can i take god's word into myself so i can teach it to other people that's what a disciple does that's what we do as followers of christ we get filled up so that we can share it with other people, not only other believers, but those who do not know Christ, so we share it with everybody else. And so how are you being transformed by God's Word every day? If you look in your notes, not only that, how will I fuel my affections for God? There is a dangerous tendency for discipline in the disciples' life to become mechanical, And so things can become mechanical, and they're not like real. They're just kind of a rut that you're going through. But as disciples of Jesus, we intentionally worship, pray, fast, give, just a few of those things in order to fuel our affections for God. And so here's a question, and this is to be asked of yourself. How will I fuel my affections for God? And so, if you would, uh, just to yourself, say this verse to yourself. I don't know if you realize it. I'm seeing if you know the scripture, right? We're not giving a test, just like, do I know what this verse says? Like, Psalm 37, 4, something yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the something of your heart. Say it together. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and your heart will start changing to where you're longing for what He has for you. And God loves to give you what He wants to give you. So, when it comes to that, how will I worship? How will I worship? Okay? So, I I just want to, you know this, but I just want to tell you, did you know that it is not CJ or any of these folks up here job to make you worship? In fact, one day, however the Lord wills, if someone else comes to lead us in worship, that person's responsibility is not to lead you to worship you and i are responsible 
for our own preparation of our hearts and minds to worship God. This is not the only time we worship. This might be the only time this week you worship with other brothers and sisters, but hopefully you worshiped all week long, you and the Lord, you and your spouse, you and your children, you at your work desk, you as you're driving, of just loving and adoring God. And the only way that ever happens is if you personally prepare your own heart and mind to worship God. It's, it's the only way. And so the thing is, is how do you, how do I, prepare our own hearts and minds when we get together to worship and to be able to share the goodness of God together? And how do we worship when nobody's around and it's just you at your work desk or if you drive for a living, how is it that you worship God while you're just driving? And the deal is, it's because it's no one's responsibility but yourself to prepare your heart for what is going to happen when you get together with God's people. And so how do you prepare yourself? Think ahead of time. Think of a Saturday night. Think of what's in your mind. What are you filling your heart with? Think of when you go to bed. Think of when you get up in the morning. Think of how you come to church. Think of when you come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. How do you worship? How do you prepare your heart? How do you get ready to meet God? Because it is our responsibility to do so. Not only that, how will I pray? How will I pray? This for me is probably the sticky one. How will I pray? All right? You don't have to hold your hand up, but do you ever get to pray and then all of a sudden you wander off and you're thinking about that TV show or that problem at work? And then, like, that's kind of like sitting down with someone talking and then you get up and you just walk off. What do you think that person thinks? How rude. Well, when my mind goes elsewhere and I just walk off, I just left God, like, just left him. I, had a, I was having kind of a conversation with him, and then I just got off on something else. And then, like, when I go to bed that night, I go like, hey, you know what, I left God over there, you know. Just walked off rudely and left him, didn't even pick it up again. I don't even remember what I was talking to him about. And so what has helped me, honestly, what's helped me is to journal it, write down my prayers, have a list, write down the answers, kind of try to keep track, because here's the deal, God answers some of our prayers, we don't even see it, don't even give him glory for it, because we asked about it, he answered it, we didn't even recognize he did it, and we just go on. And if we, anyone ever asks us like, hey, what's the last time God answered in your prayers? You go, mm, he hasn't. And yet he has. Maybe in multiple ways, maybe in ways you never even imagined, but yet he's answered some prayers and maybe he's doing a work in your life and you don't. And so for me, I have to make a list. It doesn't sound too personal, does it? But it's helpful because I know I'm weak. God knows I'm weaker than I know I'm weak. And I come to him and say, Lord, these people and these situations are in my heart. And here, here's my last one. For me, this was probably the most wake-up call as I wrote this down. 
but pay attention to your prayers. Do you ever pay attention to what and how you pray? Like, do you pray about people to be saved? Or your neighbors to be saved? Or, God, give me an opportunity to share you with someone. Or, Lord, help that person who's suffering with depression. But listen to yourself pray. Because, honestly, what you pray is really telling you what's in your heart and your mind. So what is missing from your prayers? And so for me, I listened to my prayers for a while, and I realized what's missing. I've, I've missed praying for these people and praying for this situation and praying for things that really matter in the world and in my neighborhood and in the work I do. And I don't pray for things that I really should be praying. And then you see verses like Ephesians, I think chapter 4, like verses 20, 21, that he can answer things way more than we even think or ask of him he's able to do. And yet you wonder sometimes if God just looks at you and go, is that like all you can pray about? Like, that's it? Like, that's kind of, you know, not much. I can do way more than that. Like, listen to your prayers. Here's a sticky one right before lunch. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said a couple of times, when you fast, and when you fast, not like if, so he kind of, it was kind of like a deal, you know, when, when you fast. And so a definition of fasting from a guy named Richard Foster who wrote a book several years ago, it's called the Celebration of Spiritual Disciplines. When he talks about fasting, he says, Fasting is a voluntary denial of a normal function. And oftentimes we think of fasting, fasting food, or maybe water. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and so you think about those kind of things. And it says, for what's, Why do you do it? For the sake of intense spiritual activity, like something that's really on your heart. There's a some family members there's really something i can remember one of the first times i ever did it was a few years ago where i honestly did it for the absolute right reason is when our youngest daughter lay in the hospital bed and for three days doctor said don't know if she's going to survive tonight don't know if she's going to survive tonight and the next morning the doctor comes in i don't know if she's going to make it through the day well those three days I don't know what I ate. don't think I did eat. Because why? Man, there's such intensity there. Because I was crying out to God for her life. By the way, she's married. She has one of our granddaughters. If you saw her and knew the wreck she was in, you would never know she broke every bone in her body and has third-degree burns all over So it's not just denying food, but here's one. How about voluntary denial of normal function of the cell phone, iPad, computer, television? Hey, y'all just do it for fun. Like, hey, I'm not going to pick up my cell phone for like 24 hours. Just see, just do it for fun. Just do it for fun. Or like, hey, I'm not going to watch the tube for two or three days, right? 
I mean, you're going to make sure it's recording, right? Yeah, but hey, I'm not going to watch it for three or four days, and then I'll catch up on all of them, you know, just buzz through the commercials. But maybe just uh, seeing, because here's, here's the deal about fasting, I've realized, it just makes you realize how dependent on things, 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 things. My next one, if this will work. How will you give? So if you would, just think about that verse, if you know that verse in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Something the Lord with your something, and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with something, and your vats will be filled. Sorry, I gave that away. Some of you are praying, just say that word. I know that word. And y'all know this, right? Say this word, say this verse with me. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And so giving, giving, you know what giving is? Giving, all it is, it's recognizing, acknowledging that God owns it all. See, God gives you and I, it's all His, but He gives us some, and He wants to know, do you realize whose that is? And all I do is ask you for a little bit back for my purposes in the world. Now, I have to tell you, I think, this is just my opinion, it's not the Bible, but I think for our children's sake, we've lost a little something when we don't pass the plate anymore. We have boxes back there, and we mention it every now and then, the, you can put your offering there. But I remember growing up, passing the plate, and watching my dad every Sunday, who didn't make diddly, give in the plate, give in the plate. And then as I got older, he talked about, hey, here's the deal. God wants us to give back. Do we recognize it's God's? When we do, we recognize everything's God. We give back so that we're just acknowledging to ourselves, I know who owns all this. I know whose money this is. This is not my, this is God's. He lets me have some of it, but I'm giving some of it back to him. I'm acknowledging it, I'm giving it. And so I, I just say this, if you have children, really pay attention. Maybe on a Saturday night or whatever you do, if you write a check, whatever, that you would like, get your children and say, hey, listen, this is what we do as a family. And then maybe as you give it in that offering, we do that because so no one will see. But maybe you and your kids, they see and they realize this is God's. This is God's. We're giving this back to God. We recognize this is God's. Giving is a way that we can worship God. And then here's my last one. How will I share God's love as a witness in the world? In your worship guide, it says God's will in the world and for our lives is to spread the glory, the gospel, the grace, and the glory to all peoples. Instead of asking what God's will is for our lives, disciples of Jesus ask, how can my life align with his will for me to be his witness in the world? Every person that God has graciously put around you is a sinner eternally in need of a Savior. This is the purpose for which God has graciously created and saved you. 
And so the question would be, how am I going to share the gospel with other people? How am I going to do that? Because we've gone through this, and you know this, I'm just going to buzz through this, because Matthew 28 tells us that we are to go and we're to share the gospel. So here's the deal. Who is it? Who is it that's on your heart? Who is it that your heart aches for that doesn't know Christ? That if they die now, they are going to go to hell. Who is it that you are thinking about and praying for? And honestly, the next one is, if not, ask God to put someone on your heart. Ask God to put somebody on your heart. God, I'm a follower of yours. I don't ache for people to come to know you. I don't ache for people that are going to hell without you. And so God, put someone on my heart. Here's the truth. God will answer that prayer every time. He'll answer that prayer every time. Put someone on my heart. And then, how is it that I will share the gospel with others? So, you remember I said that we come and we go to Sunday school and we're in small groups and we come in here and we hear Pastor Marty preach and we hear these things. It's not just for us, right? It's for you to take it to somebody else. I don't know if you remember last week, if you know the bridge illustration of if you draw it out, there's a canyon in between us and God. And because of our sin, we're separated from God. And God is a holy God. And because of our sin, we are separated from God. But yet we didn't draw it out, did we? We just kind of acted it out up on stage. And people on this side of the chasm, which was you and I at one time, we're not looking to God, we are going away from God. And it's only the kindness of God through His Son, Jesus, that He gives away and He calls us. And only when He calls can we repent and turn and follow Him. And so learning those things, because that is not just for you. That is for other people that come in your life. Maybe not only that, if you're like a person who really likes, like, gadgets on your phone there's an incredible app you can get on your app and it's called the three circles you can go to the heritage website you can see it displayed it's awesome to take your phone and be able to swipe and just walk through the gospel with somebody over your phone but more than anything is that you're sharing your life and the gospel with them you're sharing your life and the gospel with them. And here's the last one. When? When will you do that? So, if you don't have a when, here is, I double dog dare you. Pray for the opportunity and be watchful. There's the deal. You remember Peter's in prison? And the church is praying, and God lets Peter out, and Peter comes knocks on their door, and they say, leave us alone. We're praying for Peter to be released from prison. Well, he's outside. They're praying for it, but guess what? They're not looking for it. And so you pray for it, and you look for it. You pray, and you ask God, and you look for it. And hear me, I have to be honest. 
Sometimes I don't pray for it because I know it's going to come. I, if I pray for the opportunity, God will give me the opportunity. And guess what? I'll be on my way somewhere. And I can't be late. I can't pick that guy up. I can't stop and help that person. That person wants to talk for a little bit. I ask the question, like we're walking through the hall, and I'll ask, hey, how you doing? And the person's really honest and doesn't go, hey, I'm doing great. They honestly go, hey, listen, my day really stinks right now. And I'm like, I didn't want to hear that. I just wanted to hear you're doing okay so I can keep on going, right? But the deal is you pray for the opportunity. God will give you the opportunity. So be watching for the opportunity. I'll just give this last little deal. CJ, you can come on up. I mean, that's real um, sly, isn't it? To go into an invitation. Uh, come on up. Anyway, so I'm not going to give this guy's name away. But if you know this guy, this is the most awesome thing. He says his favorite Bible study would be with 10 atheists. Not me. That'd scare me to death, but he'd love it. He loves it, loves it. A few weeks ago, he had a couple of people that wear white shirts and ride bicycles. Anyway, coming to his door, it was a Saturday morning when, like, you're supposed to do all your chores. He invites them in. They have a two-hour Bible study. He invites them back next week. They come back next week. They bring someone with him. They come. They have a Bible study. They keep going. Their tour of duty is up after several weeks. And they said, this has been incredible. We have to go to another city and do our missionary work. But could the new missionaries that are in your area come by? Sure. So the very next week, the new guys came by. and They're having Bible study every Saturday morning. People who don't know Christ, who think they do, who think they're doing the right thing, who have been deceived, and yet somebody would care enough and not be scared, probably like me, but would care enough to invite them in, sit down on Saturday morning, when that's when everything piles up, I got to get it done takes time to open the Bible and talk with them about what they really believe and what does the Bible really say. And has become friends with them. He's not only sharing the gospel with them, what's he doing? He's sharing his life with them. Pray for opportunities and expect God to bring them. So let's just worship the Lord for a bit and ask the Lord what He would have in our own personal lives as we follow Him.
Sponsors that are going to Barnabas this next Saturday, if you'll come and stand here. So next Saturday morning, these folks will leave for Camp Barnabas, and they will help at a camp with children that have some disabilities. For those that haven't gone, they're about to experience some of the most challenging, but right, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't what? Change, change you. you, that's right. So Camp Barnabas is a challenging and these folks are going, and you all know this, right? Am I telling you something I shouldn't know? You're going to get probably some of the least sleep. You're young people. You don't need sleep. So, but you're going to be going and giving, and the deal is they need our prayers. So would you look at one of them and remember their face? Because next Saturday, all week long, they will be given of their lives at Camp Barnabas. So if you found one of them, remember them this week, their face, and let's pray for them. And after that, you're dismissed. Father, thank you for Camp Barnabas, its mission, the help to families and parents and to children with so many difficulties. Thank you for the willingness of young people and adults to go and get little sleep and to be challenged with their challenges. And I pray that you might keep them safe going. While they're there, may they love like they've never had to love before. And I pray they'd realize that your grace will give them everything they need to do what they need to do while at Camp Barnabas. Thank you how Camp Barnabas has changed so many of our young people's lives to where today some of their professions are working with people with difficulties like this. And it's changed their whole perspective and outlook on life. And I pray you'll do the same thing. May you work in our young people and may the young people they work with, their lives be changed and see Jesus and hear the gospel and see that someone loves them enough to spend a whole week with them and do things with them. And so I pray your blessings on our young people. Thanks that we could send them out. We so look forward to hearing what you're going to do in their lives. And ask this in your wonderful and powerful name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.